Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inch is a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is Jake Grant and UW Leah. And King Leonidas couldn't have helped the Spartans last Saturday. Washington with the beat down 41-7. There was no 300. They looked terrible. Mel Tucker, his actions off the field obviously was a huge issue with the transition to a new coach. Just didn't look good, looked really disorganized. And, you know, ZTF started what ended up being just a massive blowout. Overall, Leah, what's your take on uh, what happened last Saturday? I was really enthusiastic about what we saw on Saturday. Uh, We played really fired up, incredibly prepared and ready. We started the game on fire uh, in the first half. I think we possessed the ball six times and we had five touchdowns. That's amazing. Seven times and five touchdowns. I apologize. So that was amazing. That's such efficiency. And I think the uh, broadcasters were even struggling to talk about anything other than the Huskies. Even when Michigan no, State ball, they were really having a hard time. But the only thing that the Huskies somewhat struggled with was getting their names pronounced correctly on national TV. Uh, they actually weirdly had an easy time saying Zion Tupuola Fatui and Fatui right. Tuitele, but Tuli Latuli Gasanoa really struck them out. And then also Jake Westover. They just couldn't, couldn't get enough of him. So and Ken ultimately DeBoer. that and Ken DeBoer, exactly. Carmen Fabriculanen. Yep. So, sure. uh, but for the most part, you know, this was a really enjoyable game. Um, obviously we don't like that, or I don't like that uh, our kicker doinked a field goal. Yep. So, but we didn't have, to kick a lot of field goals at the same time we are going to have to kick a lot of field goals this year so that doesn't make me happy but the fact that we didn't have to practice them is a good thing so overall i'd say this was probably an a to an a minus the only a minus is probably injuries that we don't like to see but we came out and we had a trevor like score in the end so great job to the dogs that's right and leah you looked like a prophet out there calling for a Jeremy Bernard designed run in the red zone. And obviously they, well, it worked the first time and then they went back to it second time, uh, which I just yeah, thought was, was just a fantastic way to kind of rub a little bit in Michigan state's face that we 100% him walking off the field, shitting the crowd was really yeah. great too. you know, classiest way that you can show that you made a right call to come back to Washington. So great job for Jeremy. Glad to see it. And obviously really helps to have in the, him in the mix if we can't have Jalen McMillan next week, which might not be the worst thing to let him rest next week against Cal. So we'll see. Jake, your take? The When I look at Washington over this win against Michigan State, we all expect Washington to produce on offense, right? We expect Michael Penix. We all said it. We all expected Michael Penix to throw for 400 yards, throw for at least four touchdowns, the wide receivers to go ham, to get the running game going, it all we all expected that, right? We rode that pony. The thing about this win that made it special for me was watching the defense, making getting the defense to almost the, what should have been a shutout, getting the pressure on the quarterback that we've been asking for and begging for all season long, and to see that come to fruition on the road in the Big Ten against a major Power Five conference team. Even though they're scuffling, they've put up production numbers all year round. I I sat there and told you how balanced this offense was going into this game. The whole preview was about me talking about how they can run the ball, how they can throw the ball. Um, 
you know, and then and then we go out there and we hold them to 53 rushing yards. They have 208 passing yards, most of which were in garbage time, um, and, and one touchdown for the entire game on in also in garbage time. Garbage so time. Th- this defense absolutely put up, and and they felt disrespected, and they came out there and they proved a point, and good for them, and that is what I will I, I love about this game from from Washington standpoint. Could not agree more. We were getting so much disrespect for our defense and, you know, somewhat rightfully so last year, we were kind of okay. We were not great. That was definitely not the strength of our team. <clears throat> At the same time, when you go into an environment like that, with that many people cheering against you, at least for one half, I think the student section pretty much well cleared out after the, the you know, after halftime, but for a full half, we were getting cheered against and they use that as fuel. And that's what the best teams do. I, I think we can speak to the wonderful coaching that we're getting from Kalen DeBoer and his staff of just making sure that these kids are incredibly well-prepared and they know their schemes, they know their assignments and they just executed. That first drive was delicious. Yeah. And, you know, getting that into Jeremy and then again, scoring on five drives in the first half, all for touchdowns. That's amazing from the first one of the first drive like you're talking about ztf goes in and for some reason they never looked at it but you know it was a sack with a fumble and and there was no booth review at any point which was pretty wild to me but then it didn't matter i mean two plays later they were punting and it was a terrible punt that's 30 31 yard punt to set up washington like at their 45 that was the beginning of the end. Go ahead, Leah. I was just going to say that I actually did a, you know, a rewatch of the game and that was probably the worst call of the game. And it happened very early and it was it absolutely clear as day strip sack, strip the ball. Washington had clear possession of it. So either Kalen DeBoer didn't know that that happened. The refs never saw it. They thought that it was a forward pass. I don't know, but like not, not even looking at it having all that time and there was timeouts and none of that got looked at was kind of a miss on the part of the officiating staff. For the most part, I thought the game was officiated pretty cleanly, but that was absolutely a glaring mistake. Yeah. The the only other big mistake was the, uh, the offside that they didn't call, but it didn't really matter that uh, Roman dudes, they caught it for a 40 yard pass. I kind of felt like the unsportsmanlike that they called on Jalen was a little bit Bush league because he was, somebody was holding his helmet and yes, if I'm a coach, I say, you're absolutely right. Doc, it was that guy's foul. But if you're a parent, you know this to be true. The person who retaliates is always the one that gets caught. Yep. And that is the coaching that I give him of just like, you're absolutely right. Maybe next time do a little acting and pretend like you're hurt and get the call. Don't retaliate. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think you, you brought up Kalen DeBoer's coaching methods and his tactics and and how he pays attention to detail. And in the middle of the game, when it started getting kind of nasty, you know, we, I think we were 21 to nothing at the time, maybe 28 to nothing at the time. Uh, I texted Trevor and, and said, this could get ugly because Michigan state's going to try to muddy this water. Right. And the only way you can do that is by chirping in Washington and have them start getting angry and start getting some, some unnecessary penalties against Washington. And there was a couple times that we chirped a, maybe a little bit too much, but Kalen DeBoer has this team under an iron fist, and and for them not to lose their cool, Michigan State is sitting there razzing them because they're getting their butts kicked. 
is uh, it, it shows how well Kalen DeBoer has prepared for everything that they've gone through. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's a team that's experienced. They've yeah. been chipped at. They've been the chipper. These guys, a game against Michigan State isn't the end goal. Beating Michigan State is not. This is just a step. And I think when you look at it like that, it's, you know, a a certificate you have to take to coach or uh, a class that you have to take that helps you get your degree. It's just one more thing that you have to do. And they're just going at it like professionals. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can't say enough about this team after this win. You're absolutely right, Trevor. The end goal is not to beat Michigan state. It is a step in the process. Albeit it's a bigger step than what we've seen so far this year. If, mm-hmm. if you can't say that this step isn't a taller step than what Boise state and, and Tulsa were, it's absolutely, it's one of the bigger steps that you're going to have to take all year. The thing about it is to go in to the East coast team and put up the kind of numbers you did and have the preparation that you have. It shows that I, I, to me, I don't see a letdown like we saw last year on the road. I think that they're going to have every game is going to they're going to prepare the same for every game all year long and and bring that fire every day with zero letdowns. It reminds me it the go ahead, Leah. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say I I'm not sure that I'm super worried about many games left on our schedule. I know that there's some big ones that are, we're gonna obviously be worried about, but in terms of letdown games that Jake just pointed out. I'm not worried about next week. This season means too much to these kids. There's so many kids who could have uh, gone to the league, didn't do it, came back to win a national championship. Do we think that Rome is going to not be locked in next week? No. Do we think that if Jalen McMillan plays, that he's going to be anything less than locked in? No, it's conference season. Everyone gets a little chippier. It means more. This is the last time we're going to play Cal as a member of the Pac-12 it just, I mean, not to be a SEC on us, but it just means more this year. It just does. Yeah. So I think we're going to see a lot of really fun games. And I actually think that the line is pretty fair at 20 and a half, 21 and a half. I also don't think that it's going to be that close. I think it's, it's kind of be a blowout probably before halftime, just like this week. But these going to be a lot of fun games because you just, when you watch Michael Penix in that pocket, throw to these wide receivers, particularly, it has made me laugh. It's so good. It's stupid. Good. Yeah. It's just so much fun to watch. I, I'm glad that you brought up Jalen McMillan because when he went down clutching his knee, I don't swear in front of my kids very often. And when he dropped down clutching his knee, I dropped the biggest F bomb. And my wife looked at me and I was like, I know, I know. I know, but I was literally, I was literally pooping my pants. I was so scared that his season was over. I, I, I just saw the season flashing before my eyes. Yeah. yeah. Have we heard anything about, um, Park, uh, not Parker Bracefuller, but Julius Bulow? Uh, no, there, we're supposed to get an update on injuries on Monday, but he was walking on it. Yeah. So I don't know. Jalen is fine. He said that he's going to be ready to go for Cal. So that's the one, but we'll probably get an update. It sounds like uh, Cameron Fabiculenin will be okay. Um, and then, then I'm not sure about the other guys, uh, Devon Banks and Asa Turner. Yeah. Um, I got a, I got a furious text message from someone who attended the party that I hosted on Saturday. Shout out Brett and basically said Asa's out. 
CamFab is out. This is ASU all over again. I am changing my outfit because I'm so worried about this game. And in the second half, I went up to Brett and I said, do you want to revisit the text messages that you sent me at one o'clock? Because you were going full Debbie Downer on me. <laughs> <laughs> he already knows that I'm going to mention this, but um glad that that did not come to fruition. Well, as you guys were talking about everything that you kind of culminating in the last maybe 10, 15 minutes of conversation about how composed they are, how a lot of them could have gone and they came back for a national championship and how they're staying above a lot of the fray of the chippiness of especially Michigan state in this situation, but the lack of letdown, all the monikers that these teams have this year, it's us versus us win the day, whatever. They're all, they're all, they mean something to the university. What I think about with this group is it kind of has shades of like Tiger Woods when in his prime where they weren't playing against other people. They were playing against themselves. Therefore, they were competing only against what they've done and continue to get better with that. And in that point, you you prepare, you respect your opponent, but you're trying to out-execute yourself the week before. And I think that's what this team does so well based on what did the receivers do. Receivers went from having maybe the worst game of Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze's career to being having multiple fantastic high leverage catches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the incredible part about that, right, is if you look at their if uh, the receiver stats, looking at just Rome and and uh, Jalen's, they average twenty two and twenty four yards a catch. I mean, yeah. they're they're hucking the ball down the field. And it's not just them, right? Jalen Polk's at 23, uh, an outlier kind of. Uh, Josh Cuevas is at 57. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. One catch. but uh, And the best receiver only averaged 9.3. I know. It's it's pretty incredible. I know. Jack Westover. Yeah. yeah three touchdown day. I mean, I think what, what was so incredible for Jack is that my parents were like, oh my gosh, he's playing so well. Like, he's playing well because you cannot single coverage Rome. Yep. And good on Michael Penix for noticing that and good on Jack for delivering in those moments because yeah. he's going to be open a lot this year and yeah. he's going to have to be ready with his paws up to catch that ball. Well, and the thing is now you just showed that you, Jack Westover is more than serviceable. So now teams have to start respecting it. And now you're just going to start opening up that over the top even more than it already mm -hmm. was. They've been trying to stop us from going over the top on them, and they've been failing. And now we've shown that we can go on underneath too and burn them for touchdowns still. I mean, how do you defend that? As a defensive coordinator in, in a college football program, how do you defend that? You don't. I, right. You pray. They, you pray. The, the announcers the entire game were like, yeah, take the air out of the football, Michigan State. Uh, but then Washington's defense didn't allow it to happen and then Ow. gave them the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you do? How do you do that? Especially, especially because Washington started running the football with, with some umph behind yeah. it too. The, yeah, shout out Dylan Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan John. I, me and Trevor were talking about Dylan Johnson. I, you have to roll with Dylan Johnson right now. That guy runs angry. Yeah. You know what my favorite thing about getting the run game going? They got it going early, showed that they could do it, and then just like Mike Penix destroyed the secondary. Yeah. Like, yeah, we could run, but we're not going to. <laughs> yeah. We're going to continue to throw. 
Yeah. And we're going to be backed up into our own end zone and our quarterback's going to throw off his back foot 55 yards or 50 yards through the air. And, and Roma Dunze is going to make a contested catch. I mean, and it wasn't it, even the best catch of the day. No, no. right. It, it, it's that it, the numbers speak volumes, right? I mean, just looking at the pure offensive production that this team's putting together 713 total yards, 536 passing yards. And then, oh, yeah. You're going to throw in 177 rushing yards at the same time in the same game. I mean, what do you do? What do you, you know, I, I, I don't expect them to hit another 700 yard game. I mean, it, it might happen. It probably will, but. Are you forgetting we're playing Arizona state and Stanford (laughs) (laughs) or or Stanford. Um, But I don't expect their numbers to fall off dramatically either. I don't expect them to, all of a sudden have a Michigan state game where their total yards 261 against us. You know, I don't expect our offense to do that all year. Are you aware that we're playing Cal next week? I think we're still, I think I don't see. I'm saying that their offense could very well go under 265. No, what I'm saying is I don't see our offense doing that. Oh, probably, probably not against Cal's a pretty good defensive team. So you're right. But I mean like their Cal's offense might go under 265. So very much. But I just, I, 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 I don't, this offense is super consistent and there's no way that you could stop it for an entire game. It's just too hard. I think, yeah, I don't know how good USC's defense is. I, I don't know who the best shot that we're going to get in the conference is probably at USC, potentially Oregon, uh, Washington state's going to defense bring- wise defense wise. Yeah. It'll be Utah or Oregon state. Okay. I think that that would be my guess. Utah, Utah took care of Florida who just beat up on Tennessee so I was impressed by that actually we'll know more about USC this week when they play Who do they play Notre Dame Ohio State plays. No, Ohio State plays Notre Dame oh, excuse this week. me I messed that up they never mind we're not going to learn anything they play Arizona State <laughs> we're not going to learn anything <laughs> we're going to I'm sorry no, they don't Williams play Notre Dame until uh, October 14th they're both red <laughs> you said it not me so, you know, there's a lot of things that we could talk about about this game. Um, I want to go through each position group and Jake mentioned MVPs, which I like that idea, but I also like just handing out roses to different players in these position groups because every single position group, I, I wrote my grades for defense and offensive grades and everybody got A's. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how do you? How do you perform like that and not get A's? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everyone wants to go to Trevor Mueller's class then. Well, <laughs> that's that's the word on the street. <laughs> so um, we'll start. Uh, dude, I want to start on the defense. Jack, Jake got me jacked up for the defense. So uh, let's start on the defensive line. Um, I'll let you guys go first. I have my roses ready to go. Uh, we'll do edge and defensive line together. Leah? Uh, edge and defensive line. Um well, thanks for letting me go first. Can I hand out my rose to ZTF? Yes. ZTF, he felt like he had a chip on his shoulder yep. in the best way. Um, they did call an offside on him at the end of the first half. That didn't end up mattering. It was like 30 seconds left in half. But for the most part, that unit played together. They played angry and they played um, with uh, their senses about them. They did not mess up. And they really kept contained when it really mattered in the first half. So um, that's my, that's my rose for the line slash edge. 
Ulamale. Three tackles, constantly pushing the, the, the interior lineman back into the quarterback's face. Uh, just was a menace all day long. I absolutely loved watching him. I'm I'm kind of pissed you took that one because that was going to be mine. Don't let me go first then. I, I know, but here's the deal, dude. When on the first play, you get a defensive holding call on Ulamu Ale because he just ate up the interior line. I kind of liked it. So, I, that was unclear to me if that was a good call. I watched it a couple times. Yeah, there were some calls that the officials made that that one, um, and then the the blocking the the hold on Jalen McMillan. Yeah, even the announcers said, and I yes. quote, direct quote, is that a hold or just a dominant block? A dominant block. Yeah, yeah. that was a huge and that took away a touchdown. It did so that was and actually that was one of our drives that we did not score on. Yep. So that took away a touchdown that we would have had. Yeah, a hundred and it was would have really been 42 nothing at halftime. Mm-hmm. 42 to nothing. Yep. Super frustrating. Um, I did love, actually really enjoyed the way that Braylon Trice played. He, there was a, a screen that was going to work out. It was a fake run and uh, Trice got in Kim's way and he had to throw a little bit early, making that an incomplete pass. But the other one has to be Tule Latua Gasanoa. When you stop a run game from being anything, they average two yards a rush. And that is the interior line dominating. And it was those two specifically. And I know it was especially Thule because that poor play-by-play guy could not say his name. Yeah. Well, and it, it, you can, you could see it on the broadcast when they yeah. ran, it wasn't our linebackers coming up to stuff to play. It was our interior linemen yep. and they had a wall in front of them. There was nowhere for them to nowhere. go. It, it, it was, it was dominating. I loved it so much. Yeah. Linebackers, Jake, you're first. Um, I'm not going to take the popular pick. I'm going to take Carson Bruner. Yeah. Um, getting to see him play a whole bunch that that game, and uh, and, and and watching him air guitar, and yeah. uh, I mean, oh. what did he have? Four tackles on the day. I mean, I, I thought he played really. I thought he played really well. Alfonso Tupatala. Uh, that was yeah. one of his best games. He's really good against the run, and they were really, really good against the run. It just felt like he was in position all game, and therefore he gets my rose. I was also going to go with Tupatala because I sat next to him. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, No, it's fine. Just pulling this up really quickly. Um, Dom Hampton, does he count? Is that out of position? He's a safety, but he kind of let – I'll let you do that one. That's – he did linebacker things. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, six tackles, three solo, uh leading the defense. But yeah, he did he did linebacker things, but not necessarily in that position. But mm-hmm. um, um had a good game. Definitely had a good game. From the defensive backfield minus Dom Hampton. Um, I'm going to go with Jabbar Muhammad. Yeah. They threw the ball to him like once and he was in a better position to make the play. He is good in the run game he had three tackles he just takes away a receiver he takes away a section of the field and that's something we haven't had well i mean i guess it wasn't that long ago when um trent mcduffie and kyler gordon were uh on both sides but man it's really nice to have a guy like that back so jabbar muhammad 
he's going to go down as probably the best transfer we've gotten outside of Michael Penix. Uh, Misha Powell. Um, I, I, Leah asked me last week what was going to happen. What turnover were they more likely to have a fumble or an interception? I said interception and he proved me right. So he is automatically my, he he gets my rose for that. You took mine. That was going to be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like I was deserving of that one. (laughs) He's getting two roses then because I don't have another one. But um, what a momentum swing. I I felt Mm -hmm. like Michigan State was probably getting a little bit more comfortable, getting into the swing of things, a couple of drives in, and Mish comes up with that pick. Um, Super amazing to see that, especially when we had our pick leader, um, Cam Fab out for the day. So really happy for Mish. I know his whole family traveled to watch him play this game. So really excited for him. Now on the offensive side of the ball, I just, I love Dylan Morris and the guy has the worst luck. Uh, No, was not his fault. No, it was hit Tayshawn lines in the hands. He's a true freshman getting his first, you know, few reps of his career and things like that happen. But unfortunately for Dylan Morris is going to go down as an interception in, in his, you know, record book. So sucks for him. He still looks awesome. Instead of going position by position, uh, what I want to do is focusing on the receivers. I want to know your favorite catch of the day. Ooh, that's so hard, Trevor. Oh I, will say, I have mine. I'm, I'm going to really kind of go off like the super on brand for me, but going to go off script. Our third <laughs> drive was absolutely disgusting, filled with those amazing, amazing catches. I, as much as I, I Rome had one of the greatest in terms of pure yards but I got to go with Jalen Polk in that third drive. Like the back bend catches are just out of this world. And it it was at that moment where I fully became convinced that this was not going to be a close game. That was an absolute baller catch. And I have a really hard time saying that guy is not Pac-12 player of the week. I'd have a really hard time picking him over Mike because Mike had an amazing game as he always does. And he's a Heisman Trophy candidate as he should be. And Jalen Polk is in here just doing Jalen Polk type things. Last year against Oregon, he had that catch where they tried to ankle tackle him and he and he ran through it. And again, he had that tip pass, the tip drill catch, and all the way to the end zone. So, um, gosh, Jalen Polk, what can I say? So mad. That was that was going to be my favorite catch. Was the tip? Yeah, because not only did he back bend, but he got blasted. Yeah, yeah. Um, There was there was a catch Roma Dunze made that there was good coverage on him and Mike put it up high and, and Rome elevated and caught it with the guy draped right in front of him. Um, I thought that that was an NFL type catch. I mean, that that's, that's a, that's a play that you see um, DeAndre Hopkins make, you see, you know, the upper echelon guys in the NFL make those catches when guys are in front of them with the hand on a ball and you rise up and you go get it. He high-pointed it. Uh, Roma Dunze has NFL hands. He's ready to go. Um, that tip drill, you mentioned it. I love that catch. Um, Before you move on, Jake, when the ball was about, I don't know, a half a second away from being caught by a Dunze, did you think it was uncatchable? Absolutely. I did yeah. too. No, I, I thought didn't it was, think he was going to catch it. Sailing, I thought it was sailing 10 yards over his head. 100%. Yeah. Yep, I, those that receiving core is is special. Um, if if you don't have Roma Dunze 
and Jalen McMillan, I still think you have a very, very good receiving core. You still have and a top you, 10 receiving core. Mm-hmm. And then you add them and it's, it's special. It, you love it. Um, can I, if we're not going to go position by position, can I just anyways give a rose to uh, Dylan Johnson? Um, yeah. Just, I, I, I just absolutely love the way that he played. Um, he put himself in position to get a lot more snaps going forward into the Pac-12. And um, I loved how he ran. He ran with aggression. He fell forward. And the thing that I noticed about him was the ability to find the hole. Um, he, a couple of cutback lanes that were really nice that I hadn't seen from a Washington running back for a couple of years. Miles Gaskin, probably. Um, I think he really set himself up for a good future with this team. Just to jump off of that, Jake, I also loved his yards after contact. Yeah, He doesn't go down at the first contact. He is going to push the pile, and that is what we really need out of our running backs, and he really exemplified that. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad he didn't play against Tulsa and was healthy. I still think there's more in the tank. I, I still don't think he's necessarily 100%, but you saw what kind of special player he is, really. What do we think of Tybo? Uh, the exact opposite of what you just mentioned. He's a little slight, and he does not fall forward. He, uh, yeah, he's a true freshman. Yeah. He's got time, right? He's got to hit the weight room, but when he gets contacted, he falls. I think he's going to be really good. He's quick. Yeah. I think that he's going to turn into a feature guy, give him a year in, in McKeefree's system. Yeah. His intangibles, how fast he is, he could be something really scary. Dylan Johnson's got 45 pounds on Tybo. Yep. Yeah, right. So that's that's exactly what you guys are talking about. Uh, and also, just out of uh, love, uh, I wanted to give a rose also to Jeremy Bernard, just because, yes. because you know. <laughs> because obviously, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing, I don't think I need to explain it, yeah. just because. Obviously. Uh, Leah, are you going to give a rose to your offensive line? I'm obviously going to get a rose to the offensive line because Mike, per usual, was not touched. He had all day to throw. He was incredibly well protected, even backed up with that amazing pass to Rome. That was where you, you really worry about that because he's so backed up into our end zone, but that was not an issue. All night it wasn't an issue. Um, And even when he got slightly touched his offensive line was fixing his pads i don't know if you guys caught that uh yeah and he like wiped it off and everything fantastic i love this offensive line they are the best i cannot say enough nice things about them um obviously we're gonna have some tests coming up but i love their fire and their passion for protecting their guy yeah i really hope julius Bilo's okay yeah. Uh, that would be I really do. it was really cool to see both hatchet brothers on the field at the same time yeah I do also think that this team is sustainable, even if Bulo misses some time. They're built for that, right? They have the offensive line depth to still succeed. Yeah, and shout out to Coach Huff for making sure that he has a room full of guys at the ready in case that happens. Yeah. Moving on, I mean, well, the second half, I think there was some things that they can work on, but when you're up 35 nothing, uh, there was a couple of miscues. Uh, one guy that we need to mention again is Jack Westover. <laughs> Three touchdowns. I mean, the the tight end. Are we just, everybody's getting a rose. Let's just all agree with that, okay? Are you okay. Oprah now, Jake? Let's You're go. Oprah? Uh, you get a rose. You get a rose. 
you get a humpback whale. <laughs> um, so the AP poll came out again. Uh, Washington stays right where they are at eight. And man, what I would really love to see is I just want to see Washington and Penn State play. They've been next to each other in the polls for it feel like a calendar year. Um, I want to see it. And I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Penn State's going to get through Michigan, Ohio State to have that opportunity. I think it's more likely that we're going to be there at the end of the year than they do. But that would be a really fun festival rematch, I guess. I was just going to say how Mike actually, Mike Martin put this out there that like, do we think the fact that we played on Peacock has anything to do with that? We didn't move up. No, I don't. Yeah. Who are you yes going to jump no. right now? Who are you, who yeah. you going to jump right now? Right. Everybody, everybody that's in front of you. I, I, my, a couple of my friends asked me this earlier. Um, it, they got pricked off about how Washington hadn't elevated and said, what do you think, Jake? I said, I, as of right now, I think they're kind of where they belong. Um, mm -hmm. You could argue that they could be higher up, but also I, I have a hard time. Texas, the only one I would say was Texas because I don't think Alabama is as good as, as what they were preseasonally ranked. So I think that they got a bigger bump up than what they probably should have. But outside of that, I think everybody in the top, I'd say 10, um, are all kind of right interchangeable. I mean, Georgia I, would be, I would only be really upset this week if Oregon more than covers a spread against Colorado and leapfrogs us for some reason. I would be very upset about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I don't see that happening, especially especially because you just went to the Big Ten the week before and just throttled Michigan State, who was 2-0. and oh. You know, know, everybody's not as high on them, but I mean, they, it's not like they had sucked all year. I know. I, I'm just taking into account kind of in our one of our last podcasts where both of you kind of had a closing remark that the national media would favor USC and Oregon over Washington. And I worry very much that like a game like that, even though what we've done to my, I think, think that most people would say our resume right now is better than Oregon's, even if they beat Colorado, I worry about it. Yeah. But also at the end of the day, to be honest, it doesn't really matter either though. It, you know, it sucks to get jumped by Oregon, obviously, but you still have to play them. And and the winner of that game most likely is going to finish higher in the coaches, the AP and the college football playoff poll. So, you know, I, I, your destiny is in your own hand, right? As long as you keep winning, you're going to keep rising because teams in front of you are going to start losing. They're going to start dropping off. They're all going to start playing each other, right? And you have USC still too. So, I mean, as long as you, as long as you win, uh, it doesn't matter to me personally right now. The AP poll, if they were going to penalize teams for close games, they wouldn't have moved Texas up a spot because it took Texas three quarters to pull away from Wyoming. They were 30-point favorites. Exactly. And I don't, don't, don't want to brag, but me and Jake both picked that as the yeah. special. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other one, Georgia had a, a really hard time with South Carolina, and those those teams stayed where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, it no, does I'm... hurt Washington to be on Peacock a one hundred percent, but not in the AP poll at this point because I think you look at the score. I mean, it's the same as a seven thirty kick. The East Coasters are going to look at the score. Oh, it was forty one to seven, and they got their seven in the fourth quarter. 
Washington should be where they're at. Yeah, I, I think I think it hurts Michael Penix more than it hurts Washington to be on Peacock because nobody saw how dominant he truly was. Uh, you had to go out. It's like it's it was like I wanted to watch that Texas Wyoming game and it was on Longhorn Network yep. and I could not get it right. Yep. So there's a bunch of people that missed out on watching. Th- all of the glory in Michael Penix because they don't have Peacock and they weren't willing. I have a friend that wasn't willing to sign up for a seven day trial and, and see how, how good he played. So I think a lot of people are going to miss out on, on stuff like that because you have to stream 87 different streaming services. I would agree with you a little bit more if it wasn't for some of the national media members, if this was last year, I'd be a 100% on that. But I think guys, the the number one guy would be Robert Griffin III, who continues to beat the Michael Penix drum. There's other guys, and I don't remember exactly who they are, but he's not an unknown commodity this year like he was last year. You're seeing ESPN put up graphics even though he's on Peacock. You're seeing Fox. You're seeing college football whatever putting graphics up about how great he's playing and and his numbers and he did this in a half and stuff like that so last year i'd be a lot more worried about it this year i think people kind of know who he is and he's going to stay right in that top three and he's going to have the opportunity to catapult himself by outdueling caleb williams also i watched some of the halftime highlights when i was watching other games and we were given about 20 seconds of airtime. Oregon was given five seconds. So yeah. I think that the national media, in terms of who we played this week, gets it. Playing Michigan State in East Lansing means a lot more than playing whoever Oregon played in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I agree with that. I just, uh, do you know for a fact, I mean, Trevor, you mentioned that RG3 is beating the, the Michael Penix drum. Um, was he beating it this week? Did you hear him? Yeah, he put out his top five and Penix was three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah. I I just, no matter what, I don't love being on Peacock, no matter what. No. Oh, for sure. And I never want to be there again. Uh, give me the big 10 network all day, I guess. Yeah. Next year, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, looking at it though, you look at some of the teams ahead of them and I'm specifically looking in the big 10 right now, Ohio state, Notre Dame. My assumption is if Notre Dame beats them, they'll probably just switch spots. If it's close, if Notre Dame blows them out, you know, Ohio state will fall while Notre Dame will probably jump us. We're going to be big Buckeye fans, uh, Hawkeye fans this weekend. Uh, they're playing Penn state. So if Iowa is able to beat them nine to six or something, we jump up. where is the game trev uh it is in happy valley so that's okay, not great. Well, that's not happening then no i would probably agree with you um florida state plays clemson who knows that's like their only battle that's their i only hope battle. we have to be big clemson fans because florida state's number three and yeah. If Clemson can not only win, but look good doing it, have a bad taste in their mouth after what happened at, uh, against Duke, then yeah. we're in business. That's their only tough game on their schedule too, Florida State. ACC is just so great top to bottom, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Those are probably the only ones that would scare you of teams that are 
ahead of you in the standings. Georgia plays UAB. Texas plays Baylor. Uh, Bears. plays Arizona State. So, and then Michigan plays Rutgers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got you got a couple of opportunities to maybe move up one spot, but you're probably going to be at this spot until the Big Ten starts beating up on each other and Washington has to take care of business against, you know, all the other seven ranked teams that are in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, I just – I really the only chance I – I don't think Ohio State's really all that good this year. I think they're struggling. Quarterback, quarterback place is tough. Yeah, it's, it's bad, man. Well, it, it's weird to see bad quarterback play at Ohio State and Mich- or Alabama. It's been a little yeah. bit since we've seen bad quarterback play out of those two out of those two programs. So, but I do I do think that you're probably going to see Notre Dame put a put a whip on them. So, I mean, maybe. But I mean, again, you know, just like Texas, you're going to see if Notre Dame goes out and beats a top six program, then they're gonna they're gonna make some splash moves too. So. Oh, for sure. Like you said. And rightfully so, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it's also not Washington's fault that Michigan State sucks. Yeah. Um, I I have a question for you. Uh do you think Ash, do you think that the game would have been the same as far as um spread uh number spread wise if Mel Tucker was coaching that game? No. I think it would have probably been nine. Oh, I would have gone thirteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do, no, the the actual outcome. Do you think we would have Beat, beat the piss out of them uh no i think it probably would have been more like 28 points not 30 whatever it probably would have been my prediction of 45 17 yeah they would have okay. scored more i'll say that probably they, i don't know was just, i don't was, know i don't know if their I agree offense was that. bad yeah but their miscues their unforced errors i think really put them in a bad spot like you know the 12 man on the field not lining up well at one point i posed the question to twitter are we sure that tyrone willingham isn't coaching the special that was pretty funny (laughs) that was a good one uh looking around the pac-12 i'm so happy it's conference season these games with so many ranked teams is really fun like i hope you hung out with your family this weekend because you should be watching football most of saturday Colorado plays Oregon at 1230 on ABC. UCLA heads to Utah on Fox. And if Cam Rising isn't healthy, that's going to be really tough. Then And all these games are nationally televised until you get to some of the, oh God. Oregon State heads to Washington State, which could be the best game of them all at 4 o'clock on Fox. Who do you root for there, Trev? He shook. (laughs) (laughs) oh man you know it's a it's the old hamilton hold your nose and close your eyes i don't know this is awesome radio (laughs) sorry i would probably say i'm gonna root for the cougs because i feel bad for what's happening right now i feel worse for the cougs because we're huskies and i think that they deserve this win i think they're probably not gonna win but i want them to win it's on the palouse yeah, yep, it is that, that serves going, them well. If they win, they're gonna rush the field. So yeah. I'm going Oregon State. I think okay. uh I think they're very similar in the way that they play. And I think it's Oregon gonna be State such a good a game. A little bit better. It's you know the only awesome. you, you're absolutely right. Every single one of the Pac 12 games is nationally televised, including Thanks. Washington Cal. We have we we go from a prime time with a garbage 
Peacock <laughs> to being on ESPN at 7.30 at night. <laughs> I know. Give me a break. Isn't that crazy? Games at 7.30 in September against Cal are traditionally without issue, right? Don't. <laughs> yeah. Look, this it's is a new shows. coaching staff. Don't put that evil on me, UW Leah. Oh, boy. Whew. Uh, there is one game on the Pac-12 network if you're so inclined to have Xfinity. Arizona goes to Stanford, which, yikes. Oh, hey, by the way, everybody's out on the Survivor Pool, so we're going to call a mulligan here, and we're opening it back up, baby. So there's that. and the then band back together. Yep. Can we <laughs> we're doing, run it back. I just feel like it's going to be unfair for anyone to have to pick Stanford or Arizona State this year. I, I well, just... now they don't have to. You only have to pick nine. Perfect. Fantastic. Yeah. I think 10, that makes it because we'll have we'll have uh, we'll well, so, for the for the Pac-12 so championship. And Arizona State play each other. We still pick one of them. Oh god! <laughs> oh. <That's> gonna... <laughs> the Schrodinger's uh, survivor pool. Oh geez, that's gonna be tough. It's not gonna happen. They don't play each other. Sorry, Jake. Oh. Uh, the final game, and we've already talked about it. Seventh. It's it's a nationally televised game on Fox. It is at 7.30, and that's USC and Arizona State. Outside of that game, I think all these games are going to be super entertaining. We're going to come back and talk about all of them, uh, obviously, later in the week. Man, what a win. I'm just so happy. I This team looks great. They do. There's, there's a lot of fun to watch. I, I have to give a quick shout-out to everybody that came to me and Jason's party on Saturday. Um, obviously, Jason, yeah, yeah. my parents all of our friends and specifically our friend Carol who made green jello shots aka Spartan tears love that TFTI uh, by the way what was that TFTI for me and Trev thanks for the invite oh <laughs> okay well Trevor is in Oregon basically Whoa, no yeah. don't and put I'm that evil Canada. on you Okay, next time, next time if Trevor, if Trevor wants to make a four-hour drive back and forth to come to our house that you are more than welcome and jake you live in arlington that's like at least a two-hour drive right like a 90 yeah, minute no, i'm not yeah i'm not uh to you bellevue uh kirkland no not two hours okay so n- an hour and 10 minutes yeah hour 45 <laughs> <laughs> okay i guess i can't math the math ain't mathing <laughs> the math ain't mathing tfti okay well yes next time if you want if you're so inclined trevor you can bring all of your boys and jake you can bring all of your boys uh because my daughter went she had a she had a great time um she was introduced to ranch dressing for the first time and fell in love it was love at first sight so how did she make it this far in her life without ranch dressing right she likes to eat vegetables and only now has she discovered you can actually dip carrots in ranch jake looks so confused that's a whole new world what about pizza you ever had pizza? You dip your pizza in ranch. That's fine. You just can't vote anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm losing my voting privileges. It's like because I'm I out. Pizza in <laughs> you just lost three quarters of America. Wow. No, I studied abroad in Italy. So no, I don't do that. I'm a pizza snob. Jason can attest to that. That's fair. Well, we'll be back later this week to preview Cal. Ranch belongs on pizza. Go dogs. Go dogs. Ranch has no business on pizza, but pineapple does. Go dogs.